Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino today in the studio. Now, good things wants to remind you that there are some great things to do in Mississippi. We've got a ton of events and unique places to visit. So head on over to visitmississippi.org to find out more and take your browser over to supertalktv.com. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today. I have with me author and owner of Dogwood Press, Joe Lee, and he is rolling back the time to the 1980s when that night. Uh, in his latest Oakdale thriller. So welcome, Joe. Rebecca, it's good to be with you. This is number seven? Number nine overall in the seventh of the Oakdale series. All right. So first off, take me back to 1980. (laughs) What are we we doing? What are we not doing there in the book? 1984 is the year I chose for this book, and it has nothing to do with the George Orwell novel of the same name. I've already been asked that multiple times, but no George Orwell here. Oakdale, Rebecca, is a fictional place, northeast Mississippi. I call it Smart County. Not far from real-life Tupelo. Think little towns like Ripley, Pontotoc, New Albany. Mm -hmm. Places where a lot of folks have been in that area for generations. Families who own businesses on the squares. The sons and the daughters and the grandkids are now running them. Everybody knows everybody's business. And there's lots of crime. There's lots of old money. Everybody's in everybody's business. And that makes for great storytelling. It does. And even though Oakdale is not as a fictional place, it's somewhere that you created, Joe, in your head. I love when you say a gossipy little town. I feel like everyone everyone listening to Good Things is going to go, man, Oakdale's after my small town. <laughs> because there are some, some just very... Um, uh, lots of things that are the same through all small towns and small communities. There's a lot of good that comes out of it, but there's just, you know, a lot that comes with everybody knowing everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, first day at a new place and there's a knock on the door and don't you work for so-and-so? I, I, yeah, I, I just started with them this morning. and But, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. And I grew up in Starkville. And in 1984, I was almost 19 years old, and a traffic stop that I went through in real life is what I started this book with. Now, later in the story, you're going to meet a character I brought back from my 2014 novel, Director's Cut. He is a veteran sheriff in Director's Cut. He is a deputy in this book, and he's the one person I went way almost up to present day for it to yank back and stick him in there at a much younger age. But he is confided in by the veteran sheriff he works for that there's stuff in the other side of the county, a crime, a scam, a big thing involving a lot of people, some very powerful folks all over the state making a lot of money. And he said, look, kid, there's already been a death. I'm going to be forced out of office. That's not for public broadcast yet, but I think you'd make a fine sheriff. Before this young deputy can really get his mind around that, the incumbent sheriff disappears without a trace. So the youngster 
who is stopped at the beginning of the book, and the deputy sheriff, who we enter later in the story, their worlds come together down the stretch of the book. But one thing, Rebecca, I love about writing fiction is putting good people into difficult situations where they have to make choices, and they... You know, you dive into the big creek and see what happens. And this deputy, all of a sudden, at about age 25, has a lot of weight on his shoulders. What does he do with the information he's gotten from this incumbent sheriff who's disappeared? Is that sheriff going to come back? Is he going to be back tomorrow? Will he be back a month from now? Is he coming back at all? And who can this deputy sheriff trust? People in the office? And one thing I did, which gave me a great deal of enjoyment, was to spend a lot of time with, in real life, the retired Octibaha County Sheriff, Dolph Bryant. I grew up up there, and he was already sheriff, gosh, when I was in grade school, and served until, I think, 2008. And he was so generous with his time. And we talked for a long time, one day early in 2020, and then we talked again about a year ago for another hour and a half. And I threw everything I could at him to put the sheriff's deputy in a position where he could possibly stamp out the crime ring. How might he go about doing that? Who would he get involved with first? What law enforcement entity? But also thinking about the 19-year-old kid who's got a lot going on in his life. There, without giving away too much of the book, there's a lot that I got from Dolph and then a lot that I got from a friend of mine from this area who has the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office on his resume. And that gentleman and I talked through making what was going to be a statewide crime scene a federal thing where federal charges could be brought against the people that the young sheriff's deputy is going to try to bring down. Joe, is it fair to say that as you're writing a novel like The Resting Place, and I want to get into how they all seven of them sort of fit together, right? Like how the stories sort of keep unfolding or sort of going if we haven't read one or maybe we've read few or maybe you know, this is our first introduction to it. While you're doing your research is the story not finished yet, or is it, like, still mulling over? Like, do you have this big umbrella idea of what you kind of want or, you know, the foundation of where the story can go, and then you're filling in the pieces? Or as you're researching, talking to these retired sheriffs or these people in the FBI or just understanding North Mississippi better or all that, does it then it start to flesh itself out? Like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first usually is an outline from start to finish. And I know where the book is going. This time was different. I worked on a couple of endings before I arrived at the one that's in the book. But you ask a great question, and I leave myself enough wiggle room to adapt based on, for example, conversations with that sheriff or my friend who worked for the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. And if either one of them had said, you can do this and you can do this and you can do this and it would all be feasible... But if you try this, folks are going to throw the book across the room because it just couldn't happen. Then maybe I have to go in a different direction. But it's fiction. I feel like we all watch certain things like Law and Order or maybe, you know, even some of the other ones. And I know they're saying they're based on headlines, but they're still fictional stories. You know, I think doesn't the reader give you a little bit of of grace for not knowing what they don't know about the like? you know, law enforcement? Yes, and that's a great point. There is a line I think fiction writers can cross if they aren't well-versed enough on their subject matter, 
where they just get stuff plain wrong. If you're writing a medical thriller, for example, part of your audience that reads the book may be people that work right in that area, maybe in forensics, and somebody reads something and says, I'm sorry, this just flat wouldn't happen, file 13, here comes a big book I paid $28 for. I don't want that to happen, but that's one of the things I talk to the retired sheriff about a lot. Is this feasible? Am I stretching this? And he said, you're stretching a little bit, but yeah, everything you're laying out, Joe, could happen. And I said, that's what I want to hear. Where did you get your interest in crime stories or thrillers? Because it takes a level of knowledge just to even know how those pieces, you know, go together. I mean, I could sit here and drum up, you know, a fictional crime scene maybe or suspicions, but then going through the pieces of trying to write out what the right agencies or authorities would do, I would have, I would have, I would have no idea where to start. The best way I can answer that is putting together Crime stuff interests me. I've always enjoyed watching the original Law and Order. I watch Forensic Files. Sometimes I wonder why my wife is still married to me after I watch all the stuff that I do. But that's always interested me. I've always had an interest in psychology and family dynamics. And there's lots of dysfunction in folks' lives. There's no question about that. Amen. Some way more than others. (laughs) But... In layering in the characters in this book, the Myrick family has a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and they're good people, but there's a lot of stuff that's weighing on the 19-year-old kid's shoulders, and his life really takes a turn right in the middle of the book. And both he and the deputy, Billy Joe Stone, have a lot on their shoulders. Their paths are going to come together down the stretch, but trying to circle back to what you asked about the crime part of it i will determine where i want to go and try to find an expert or two somebody with a lot of you know career in that area hi my name's joe i'm a flunky author and i'd like to a few minutes of your time and talk to you about such and such and more often than not folks are are glad to do that Well, it feels like you have, and I guess I never looked at fiction writers as also being investigative journalists in in a way, although it's fiction, so it doesn't have to be fact. You know, you're not you know sharing fact, but you have that interest of continuing to learn, putting pieces together, growing in a subject matter, and then you know fleshing that out in a story. I never really thought about it. Also, having kind of that uh, side to it as a writer, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, we've got more coming up next with author Joe Lee and his seventh of the Oakdale series, Resting Place, coming up next here on Good Things. From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, a 30% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 94. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 74. Your Tuesday, sunny skies, high near 95. And a look to Wednesday, sunny conditions, high near 94. 
This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha outboard dealer in Brandon. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events. But thanks to two men in a truck, Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need. A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. Hey, this is Bob, and if you're like me, you like dealing with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and are headquartered right in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks. Majestic Metals, 800-647-8540 or online at MajesticMetalsINC.com. Good Things with Rebecca Turner is brought to you in part by TrustCare, where you'll find a team of experienced, knowledgeable, and friendly staff. Visit TrustCareHealth.com to schedule an appointment today. TrustCare. Feel better, faster. If you're about to start a project or remodel with wood, you need to think Miller Lumber in Richland. Since 1953, we've built a solid reputation of supplying quality wood at a lower price, like western red cedar and cypress lumber, as well as a wide variety of patterns in pine, cedar, and cypress. Shop Miller Lumber for the best price new pine flooring and treated lumber in town. Miller Lumber, 551 Old Highway 49 South in Richland. Visit MillerLumberSales.com, 601-936-7099. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Celebrating our 40th anniversary at Cock of the Walk. Voted the best catfish in Mississippi with our grilled or fried catfish along with greens, coleslaw, and a skillet of our homemade cornbread. With locations on the Reservoir, Pocahontas, and one mile from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. Catfish, hush puppies, and fried dill pickles. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. I like chicken. I like fish. I like hush puppies. I love it. Catfish is excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. This is Ben Shapiro reminding you to listen to the Ben Shapiro Show weekday nights starting at 9 p.m. here on 97.3 Super Talk Jackson. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. wants to encourage you to go on Adventure Mississippi, so go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. Don't forget, there's more content from Super Talk Mississippi on our YouTube channel, so just search Super Talk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube. You can subscribe. It's free. You get the latest on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and, of course, the good things. And head on over to, to supertalktv.com. We're continuing our conversation with author and owner of Dogwood Press, Joe Lee. He is in here uh, promoting Resting Place, which is the seventh novel of the Oakdale series, but ninth total in your in your lineup, uh, Joe. We did have a question, though, on the ceasefire text line from Jeff in Oxford, and I've wondered this, too, Jeff, talking about your uh, mindset when you're putting together your novel, which is a fiction story.
story, all the characters, all the pieces. He said, what happens if you get close to finishing writing the book and then you decide as the author you don't really like something that's at the beginning? Do you go back and fix it? Do you just let it ride? Is it too much of a conundrum to go take you know, the the eraser to it, like I, I, that starts to give me major anxiety just thinking about it. That's a great question. And, um, yeah, as editor-in-chief of a publishing house, the authors that I work with, I tell them, let's be prepared to do whatever we have to do to make the book the best it can be. Now, Jeff's question gets into several different things. Is there something factual that's wrong that needs to be adjusted to make it Correct, if you're dealing with something true that happened, but writing historical fiction. If you're just making things up in a general fiction novel, I would say, yeah, go back and rewrite as much as need be. And sometimes um, edits like that are cosmetic and don't take long. But if you determine that a big overhaul is going to be necessary, you're not going to sleep well until you've known you've made it the best it can be, especially if somebody who's going to consider it for publication may be consulted later. Of your nine novels, Joe, what's the average rewrites or drafts that you you do per book? Or, or there, I mean, I doubt they're home runs every time. The closest two home runs, um, the last one in particular, 40 days, was written in a whirlwind of 75 days. At the other end of the spectrum is this one, which took almost two and a half years to finish. And rewrites are a part of it. Also, long periods where I wouldn't call it writer's block, working on other projects, but the uh, well was dry for a while, and all of a sudden there's that moment like, oh my gosh, this is going to work, and get started, and then there's a feverish burst of writing for a while. See, I think that's something that uh, independent writers or those that don't have the pressure, although you get the you get the pros of being a bestseller and all that, but the pressure of your next book being a great hit to me would be like hard to live with. I appreciate the being able to put it on the back burner, going about your everyday life, letting inspiration kind of lead you back to it. I couldn't imagine, you know, being someone who had to write the next one that had to be as good as the last one, like kind of in a in a time crunch, if that makes, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And there are writers who've been on the bestseller list for decades. And yeah, there's pressure there. You generate that next bestseller. Have you know when you when you hit the road to tour for that big bestselling book today, you probably are just about finished with the one that's going to come out a year from now. I'm a big fan of suspense writers like Michael Connolly, who authored all the Harry Bosch novels, and Amazon Prime has the Bosch series. Novelist C.J. Box, who's written a bunch of really good Joe Pickett protagonist westerns over the years. But the series where one book is going to come out every year or so and readers are looking forward to it, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. And it takes somebody who's disciplined as very as well as very creative. When did you first get into novels? When What was your first novel you ever read, Joe? First novel I ever read? Oh, my gosh. Um, I remember, other than what I had to read for school, which I probably didn't read enough of, I uh, remember getting into Stephen King in high school which is far, far away from what I do, but I enjoyed the suspense a great deal. And over the years, um, 
writers like the late Larry Brown of Oxford, uh, Pat Conroy, who passed away a couple of years ago, as well as the suspense writers I named. I, the, again, one more reason I'm thankful my wife is still married to me. We've got lots and lots and lots and lots of books and bookshelves at my house. When did you decide you wanted to give it a stab? Writing novels specifically. That's tough. That's like the, that's like the you know, that's a big deal. That's right. a hard thing to do. Right at the new millennium. Uh, first, the first two novels are called On the Record and Dead Air, published in 2002 and 2004 um, originally. And they are standalone mysteries set in the Jackson area. But the first one, On the Record, was a nights and weekends project for three years when I still worked full-time in television. And I long talked with my wife, and I said, this will never go anywhere until I devote full-time to it. So with her blessing, I got started with a small publishing company, as much freelance work, as much part-time radio and television as I could do, and gradually began to build everything that's happening now. What was it like when that first one was finished? I can tell you when it was reviewed in, in the Clarion Ledger on the Sunday morning, um, gosh, I was like a little kid. I went running out to get the paper out of the driveway at about 4.30 in the morning and, and tore it open. And, and you used to still do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and I was uh, I was so excited. My son was about four, but uh, I went and woke my wife up, and I said, gosh, look at this. It's here. It, it's, this is real. You did that. And, you know, that was 20 years ago. But I'm still the same 10-year-old little boy when there's a new book out. It's, it's exciting. I'm blessed in many ways. I love what I do. And I never get tired of writing creatively. Obviously not, at least not about Oakdale, which is your fictional uh, town here in Mississippi, located in North Mississippi. You call it a gossiping little town. This is number seven. Let's talk about the series. When you wrote the first one in the Oakdale series, did you know that it was going to be or could be a, a serial book, a serial kill, a serial read? Or uh, was it just did it kind of just morph itself into that? Good question, and the answer is yes and no. At the time, yes, that it would be one. Judgment Day is the first one. And I had a conversation with an old friend. He was telling me about a high school football coach in real life who apparently had done some bad things. And I remember the phrase, the curtain is about to go up on his life. I remember nothing more about the conversation than that, but I would—I think I'd had a book event in somewhere like Birmingham the that day, and I had a long drive home, and by the time I got home, I had this fictional football coach in my head and a police officer in Oakdale who had played football or tried to for that coach, and that did not go well, and there was a grudge held. And I typed, 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 made some notes, and then got up very early the next morning and made some more notes. And that was the beginning of the book Judgment Day. Now, Where did the town Oakdale get its name? There is an Oakdale in Rankin County, not too far from where I live. And i driving out there one day, and I thought, Oakdale, that's 
that might work from a little series. There was nothing more than just seeing that on a, that's an unincorporated area out in Rankin. And I just saw that one day while I was out in that area driving, and I thought that might be a good idea for that. I bet it's a gossipy little town. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go on and sort of put that out there, uh, that it probably, it probably is. Okay. So the seven series, the the seven books in the series, are they all within Oakdale? Or are they all the same characters throughout? Or is it is it kind of like a series about the town and the complexities and in and out of the characters? As kind of if you live in a town long enough from a 30,000-foot view, you could see. Or is it more about following that one family sort of through the seven books? What you said about the town repeating, that's, that's what's the constant in all the Oakdale books. The second book is called the Magnolia Triangle. That takes seven takes place seven months after the aftermath of the coach and the cop from Judgment Day. And I realized when I hit on that that I could have the cloud of scandal hanging over the town as this new mystery, which involves a drowning death, a woman about 50 from an influential family. Both of her grown daughters are suspects. But I put in the cloud of scandal from the end of Judgment Day hanging over everything in the Magnolia Triangle, and I thought, I might have something here. And each book has brought forward some backstory, but not a lot, so you can pick up any of them. But I decided to set Resting Place as a prequel for two reasons, and I don't know how smart this was, but I liked 1984 and that traffic stop. That gave me the Mark Myrick the third character, the young college kid who winds up intertwined with the young deputy down the stretch. And the other other reason to do that was to bring in Billy Joe Stone, the deputy, when he was 25. Andy and Jackson text in, I bet Oakdale is on Highway 471. The moment he said that, I was like, yes, the Oakdale Animal Clinic, everything. Now we all know where Oakdale, <laughs> Oakdale is. All right, we've got more with Joe Lee coming up next here on Good Things. At Gateway Rescue Mission, we feed hungry people, we offer shelter to people seeking life change, and we serve as sort of a beacon of hope that says, hey, God cares for you. I'm Rex Baker. Rescue Mission work is not glamorous, but we do see lives changed. Check us out at gatewaymission.org. Find out how you can get involved and join God at work here in Jackson and at Gateway Rescue Mission. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. Are you having sewer and drain problems? Call the experts, Roto-Rooter. 
Since 1934, Roto-Rooter Plumbing has been fixing small home disasters. Mention this ad for $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. That's 601-353-3333. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. And a trebles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. All month long, we're celebrating the red, white, and blue at Must of Jackson. That's right. We're celebrating your freedom to shop and save big on an amazing selection of Mazdas. Every car, SUV, and crossover in stock is priced to move. Plus, we're offering low interest rates that will save you thousands. For example, get super low 1.9% financing for 36 months on most 2022 Mazdas. That's right. 1.9% financing on almost every 2022 Mazda. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Shop right now at MazdaofJackson.com. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. And remember, 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Have a trade? Bring it in, and we'll give you top dollar for it, even if you don't buy a vehicle from us. So come celebrate the red, white, and blue and save big while doing so. Only at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. With group credit, like model, see for details. Hi, I'm David Frederick, owner of Frederick Sales and Service in Brandon. For more than 27 years, we've been selling and servicing Exmark mowers here in central Mississippi. Whether you have a city lot, a country estate, or a large institutional property, Exmark has a mower to fit your needs. I invite you to come by and check out all of what Exmark and Frederick's has to offer. With special financing available, we have mowers in stock and ready for you. Frederick Sales and Service, the choice in outdoor equipment. Serving you since 1993. I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Human trafficking is a problem across the country, and it's being made worse by the crisis at the southern border. Sandy Middleton with the Center for Violence Prevention told us more about the Tower, the center's human trafficking program, which opened in Mississippi in 2017. Since then, we have assisted 522 suspected victims. More than 260 of these victims received outreach support services. 73 were actually housed at the Tower. Uh, 61 were assisted in our emergency shelter. Uh, 46 of, uh, 46% of those were racial and ethnic minorities. The National Human Trafficking Hotline has also seen a dramatic increase in the number of calls concerning possible victims. 246 in 2019 and there were 710 in 2020. I'm Kelly Bennett. Have you ever seen a field of corn or soybeans or cotton growing along the highway? Think about that for a moment. From tiny seeds comes this field of crops. You and I need to live our lives every day. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. We began much the same way as a seed of an idea that took root in 1922. In the 100 years since, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation has contributed so much to our lives across every county of this state. From insurance to hospitals, from private property rights to road and bridge repair, Mississippi Farm Bureau has fought to make a better way of life for Mississippians, member or not. So, while agriculture is important, we are not just a farm organization. 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. 
You know that nowadays more people are cutting the cord, ditching traditional cable and satellite television, and instead just streaming everything. With Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's over-the-top advertising, you can get your business seen on streaming TV. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted team can show you how your ad dollars can go further to reach a more targeted audience. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Wants to encourage you to go to Venture Mississippi, so go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. Don't forget, starting this Wednesday, August the 3rd, you'll be able to catch Thunder and Lightning live with Brian Haydad across the entire Super Talk Mississippi network and on Super Talk TV. The wildly successful Thunder and Lightning show gives you the best coverage of the Mississippi State Bulldogs and will air Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. beginning this Wednesday. And of course, you'll still be able to get your daily Thunder and Lightning episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. We're continuing our conversation with author and owner of Dogwood Press, Joe Lee, who is in his Mississippi State gear today. And I thought, man, I really set the stage for for that one. You and Brian Haydad would get along, get along great. Have you ever heard of the Thunder and Lightning podcast or Thunder and Lightning, should I say? I put you on the spot. Oh, absolutely. I was in college when Thunder and Lightning, uh, Clark and Palmero were a big, big deal. We're a big, big deal. Okay, so resting place. That's number seven in the Oakdale series, number nine in terms of your titles as uh, a novelist. You always seem, uh, Joe, in all of your, at least the Oakdale, obviously it's based in Mississippi, and your other works, you have a love for Mississippi being the backdrop. I mean, just because you're from here doesn't mean you have to write about the towns or create towns like that. Why do you keep all your works very Mississippi-focused? It is because I'm from here. I love the state. I've lived in several places around the state. What they say about the hospitality state is so true. Lots of nice people here. And, you know, I I don't think Dogwood Press could have been uh, launched in New Mexico or Kansas or, you know, upstate New York or anything because Mississippi authors – that has a ring to it that you just don't get in other parts of the country. There's a reason C-SPAN is down here every year to cover the Mississippi Book Festival. It's a big deal. There's a tremendous literary history in Mississippi. Which but, is Mississippi's largest lawn party. Oh, gosh, I think yeah. Or they call it. And it's back this year. It is. Thank goodness. You know, we we didn't have it in 20. We didn't have it in 21. But we should be in good shape for this year. And that is coming up. Quick, fast, and hurry. It's August the 20th. The twentieth. One of the most special things about that event, if you are into books, you don't even have to come in and do all the fancy, smancy um, table reads or um, uh, hear the speakers. I was trying – panels was the words I was trying to get at. If you just come and do Authors Alley 
to me is a magical a place. It's free. You come and walk and you get to meet all the authors. Will you get to be there, Joe? Yeah, the, we will have a dog pre- dogwood press tent set up. We do that every year. We've got three or four authors. Candace Cox Wheeler, who is from Biloxi and a very, very talented historical fiction author. Uh, her first book is called Cradle in the Oak that came out a year ago. The sequel to that, set in the Roaring Twenties and dealing with rum running, the practice of transporting uh, like al- yeah, alcohol that, that wasn't supposed to be transported, featuring a, a, a guest appearance by the real-life Al Capone, who had a home in Ocean Springs, Mississippi in that era. But that's a great new book. She will join us at the book festival this year. Author Randy Pierce, who Dogwood Press has published three or four times, most recently the novel Missy, he will be with us. John Floyd, my friend and ex- short story writer extraordinaire. His most recent uh, book is some humorous poetry. It's called Lighten Up a Little. It's, it's just laugh out loud, get out. It's not boring poetry that we had to remember and forget back years ago. But we'll all be under the uh, tent, at the Dogwood Press tent at the festival. And you're right about Authors Alley, Rebecca. There are 60 or 70 folks now, and that's an education just visiting with them and seeing the different books and getting to know them a little bit, an education you can't get in a textbook. What I love about Authors Alley, also about your story, Joe, and the other um, authors that Dogwood Press uh, publishes, as well as so many others throughout Mississippi, is that you can still have the dream and the vision of being a published author, and you don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be the Harry Potters of the world, or it doesn't have to be, you know, the the Crawdad Sings of the world. You may get there, but it's like you can you can still do it. Like you can still recognize that vision for your life and fit it into, you know, whether you're a nurse or or a teacher or whatever it may be. Like, don't give up on that dream just because you think you may not make the New York Times bestsellers list. You couldn't be any more right about that. There are so many writers out there who do not have a contract with Simon & Schuster or Random House, yet are really, really good storytellers. And you'll find a lot of people like that at Authors Alley at the festival. Which is a lot of fun. Now we can find you in other places, too. I know you'll be out doing your book tour for Resting Place. Where else across the state? Because the list is long between now and the end of August. Where all are you going to hit up? We're going to start at Lemuria Books here in the Jackson area Thursday of this week, 5 o'clock, in-person signing, 5.30 reading. North Mississippi, Starkville at the Public Library on noon, on noon, on Thursday the 11th at noon, and then late that afternoon, also on Thursday the 11th at the Bookmart and Cafe, back here in the capital city for the Book Festival on the 20th, Winston Public Library, Louisville, Mississippi, uh, that's an 11.30 start on Friday the 26th, and by the end of the month, many more things to be added. And where can they go to keep up with everything you've got going on? Dogwoodpress.com. That is the website, and there is a little blog on there called The Little Publisher That Could, and that's fun, too. I think that's fun. I think it's cool that you also decided to step out and help other authors take a, you know, take a risk on other authors who had a dream and a vision uh, to be published. So how did Dogwood Press come, come about, your publishing company? My first book was the beginning of Dogwood Press, and I remain greatly um in the debt of Quail Ridge Press, the late Barney McKee, his uh, wife, Gwen McKee, and their outstanding graphic designer and my friend Cindy Clark. Uh, they, they, I pitched on the record to them, and they told me something that was disappointing at the time, but as a publisher all these years later, I know it real well. They said, 
We love this, but we are a cookbook publisher. We're not a publisher of mystery suspense. And I said, oh. And they said, and they, they helped me. They said, at your expense, because we like this, we would like to help you get this into print at your expense. And I thought, let's give this a shot. Let's see what happens. I One of those things, Rebecca, I thought, if I don't do this, I'm always going to wonder what would happen if I had. And I have the best of all worlds. There was a time where I really, really wanted a nationwide contract and all the traveling and being atop the New York bestsellers list. And sure, I wouldn't turn that down. But I have the best of all worlds doing what I do and working with a lot of good authors. And when I can... Maybe helping some writers who are just getting started. It, it, I get a lot more, I think, out of working with them than they probably do in working with me. Is it just as exciting when you get one of their drafts or their pitches across your email or your desk when you know that they've hit a home run just as, as if you've, you know, if the well springs up in you for a good story? Yes, and there are times I'll read a query from somebody and think, my gosh, this is good. And I have to be careful how I respond, because I know when I was on that side of it 20, 25 years ago, if I got so much as a response, even if it was a form letter, I thought, well, they answered me, you know, and maybe they're going to write back next week. And, you know, rather than this form letter, we're going to offer you a seven-figure contract, Joe, and make you the next great big thing. But what I do is ask for something suspense-related, give me 25 or 30 pages. That's what I want to see first when somebody interests me with a query. I can pick up what I need to. Storytelling ability, sense of time and place, the mechanics of writing, the, you know, the dialogue has to be nice and crisp like you and I are visiting here. And I guess I've done this long enough to where I can get a good sense of what I'm looking for. And at that point, I'll write back and say, This is pretty good. I'd like to read the rest of it. And I need, it's my obligation to make very clear, this is where we are in the process. And no decisions are being made right now, but I would like to see the rest of it. Well, Mr. Lee, if you like it, you're going to offer me a contract? Let's talk about that later. Right now, you just get the rest of the manuscript to me. And that's the way I go about looking for new writers. And Dogwood Press puts out about how many books each year? Three or four books a year. And gosh, with the pandemic and getting through it, it just underscores something I've known for a long time in-person opportunities where we can visit with other writers and possible readers and discuss our books. That's where we plant the seed and get people interested. So I'm so thankful we're in a spot now where we're having more in-person events again. And I know people who enjoy the books, too. They get to meet their author, get to hear the read, get to learn more behind it. So if we want to learn more about Resting Place or Oakdale and all the other books uh, in the series, remind us where we can go to get it. I know you encourage, too, visiting your local bookstores for books as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, dogwoodpress.com is the website. And, um, you know, ask for it at independent stores all over the place. Uh, Lorelei Books in Vicksburg, Bay Books in Bay St. Louis, Lemuria here in the Jackson area, the Bookmart and Cafe in Starkville. Because they're small business owners, too. They need your support. Oh, gosh. Now more than ever right now. Well, I appreciate your time, Joe. It's my pleasure. It's I good to visit with you. Again, again, Resting Place, a novel by Joe Lee, if you want to check it out. But stick with us. we got more for you up next.
Have you heard? Trust Care Kids is transforming children's health care. From newborn care and routine appointments to urgent care available seven days a week, we provide the best care and the best experience for you and your child. Like our jungle-themed rooms, filled with interactive screens and games. Your child will be comfortable and you'll be confident in the care. Schedule your appointment at TrustCareKids.com. Trust Care Kids. Hunting and Timberland are some of the most highly valued and sought-after real estate available. Hi, I'm Mike Odom, realtor and land specialist with Four Corner Properties. And from every corner of the state, 4CP is your total real estate solution. Whether you're in the market for an investment track, a weekend getaway for the family, or you want to buy or sell a home, I'm here to help. Call me today on my cell at 601-927-5018 or 601-952-2828 or visit our website, 4CPLandonHomes.com. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses. And everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers. We have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon. If recent hailstorms have invited Lurk the Leak into your home, call the experts at Watkins Construction and Roofing to find out what is lurking in your roof. Our rapid response roof team will be on top of your roof as soon as the next business day with a complimentary, honest assessment of your roof's condition and offer solutions to keep your home and family safe. Say goodbye, Lurk the Leak. Call Watkins Construction and Roofing today at 601-966-8233 or visit LoseTheLeak.com. What do you have to lose but your leak? This is the closing agar market report. At the close, the narcotic exchange, December cotton was down 268 to 9406. March cotton was down 204 to 9147. The close of the Board of Trade November soybeans were down 62 and a half to 1406 per bushel. January soybeans were down 61 and three quarters to 1413 and a quarter per bushel. December corn was down 10 and a quarter to 609 and three quarters per bushel. March corn was down nine and a half to six sixteen and three quarters per bushel. At the Mercantile, October live cattle was up forty to one forty two sixty two. December live cattle was up thirty five to one forty eight fifty. September feeders up one fifty five to one eighty three ten. October feeders up one seventy five to one eighty five forty seven. At this hour, the Dow Jones is down eighty three points. 32,761. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Mississippi Agri News Network. From the ground up, from the grassroots. That's how we began in 1922, and that's how we do things today. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. 100 years of farming, ranching, and supporting our 180,000 member families. From our state capital in Jackson to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Creating policy, advocating for a better way of life for all Mississippi. We've been there through the tough times when Hurricane Katrina blew ashore. There is extensive damage on U.S. 90. Triumphant times, winning the right to vote to protect private property rights for Mississippians. We introduce benefits like our insurance in the 1940s and fault-to-stretch broadband internet service from DeSoto County to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, from the ground up, not just a farm organization, 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. 
where Mississippi comes to talk. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Weekdays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Beat. Positive and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Don't delay in planning your Mississippi getaway. Everything you need to know is over at visitmississippi.org. Don't forget, you can get just about every Super Talk Mississippi show on your favorite podcast app. The Gallo Show, Middays with Jared Gibbert, Good Things, as well as Sports Talk, along with your favorites like, we mentioned Thunder and Lightning, The Rebel Report, you got Eagle Hour, and many more. So just look for Super Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, too, mine's in there now, Tired of the Wait, with my friend and actress, Amia Edwards. We have teamed up and to offer you physical, mental, and spiritual health and motivation and education and encouragement. We laugh. We cry. We make us. And I'm just kidding. Nah, not really. No, but we laugh, we cry, we educate, and we support each other. And it's a fun. We have a lot of fun. So if you're on a wellness journey, we would love to have you. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just search uh, Tired of the Weight. Also, if you need a little just bright light in your life then and you're on Facebook, join us on the Good Things Facebook group. We do a good job of just posting positive headlines coming out of our state, fun questions to ponder each day. One that's getting a lot of love is the fact that the Hattiesburg Zoo had a little birth over the last couple of weeks, birth to a baby boy sloth, which they call Lumpy. And if you've ever wondered what a baby sloth looks like, now's your chance. It's adorable. He was born July the 5th. He weighed 626 grams. Oh, my gosh. Do the math for us. Like, who, who weighs anybody in grams? But he's got brown hair, brown eyes, and his dad is Chewy. His mom is Mommy Mo. He has big sister Maple, big sister Mochi, and the entire Hattiesburg Zoo staff, obviously. The sloths are a big deal there. And if you've never seen them, Here's your chance to go to the Hattiesburg Zoo and take a look. I mean, you can't beat the price to get of admission. I think it's like five bucks. I know it's under 10 per person. It's an incredible facility, well kept, lots of fun things to do. And they're on display and you just get to see them and all of their slowness and just weirdness and long fingernails. And it's pretty cool. I'd want to pet a baby sloth, wouldn't you, Rhino? Uh, it depends on, uh, well, yeah, baby sloth. Yeah. You want to pet a baby sloth. There's not many baby animals that I wouldn't, you know, at least in the warm-blooded area, that I wouldn't want to at least see. I don't know. Some come out bigger than others. But, but the baby sloth, I think, would be would be a lot of fun, uh, fun to hold. I'm trying to think. The only baby animal I've ever gone somewhere to hold was when I was a wee little lad and mom took us to the mall, I believe, to hold the baby tigers. Yes, to grow for a picture. To be big animals. Mississippi Therapy Animals, who are near and dear here to the Good Things uh, Studios Heart, they just got a baby kangaroo. His name is Twix. If you were at the Mississippi Wildlife um, Extravaganza. Extravaganza, you probably saw him there or out and about. So right now, baby Twix can, like, you can hold him. If you may even see, I've had my picture with him 
on social media. But like over the next two or three years, he's going to grow to be six foot tall. And so baby Twix is not going to be a baby anymore. And then feet going to get big and that tail's going to get long. But here's the cool part. So Katrina, who's the founder and she does all the training and stuff, she can legit, if Twix will cooperate, Twix can get a modified seatbelt to ride in the back of her SUV if Twix will act like a dog and get in and be. So can you imagine driving down the interstate or down the road and looking over and there is a six foot tall kangaroo well poised in the back seat of a car? What's the first thing that goes through your mind? Honestly, the first thing that came to mind was the disappointment i had i forget how long ago it was but do you remember the movie that came out kangaroo jack where all the trailers and the tv spots and the ads and everything made it seem like there was going to be this really cool backwards hat shades wearing kangaroo throughout the whole movie Mm -hmm. and then when you watch the movie that scene is about 30 seconds out of a two-hour movie where they're off in la-la land because of the heat or something. The rest of the time, no kangaroos, let alone talking kangaroos. Well, Twitz doesn't talk, but I, I need him to grow up and be able to ride in the back seat of a car around downtown. Joe and Meridian, thank you for your math. Math is hard on Mondays. 1.38 pounds. So that's a teeny baby. That's a teeny bit to think how big sloths grow up to be, or maybe they just are furry and they're not as dense as they look. Well, I mean, you don't want to have a whole lot of mass if you're going that slow. But they're you adorable. Take your time <laughs> going that slow. <laughs> we'll be slow to turn that dial. You got more. I can't do it. You got more coming up next here on uh, Super Talk. You got Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Good things for you Good things for you Good things for you Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.